Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hey there. Welcome to Dear Gabby. I'm your host, Gabby Bernstein. And if you landed here, it is absolutely no accident. It means that you're ready to feel good and manifest a life beyond your wildest dreams. Let's get started. Have you ever been so inspired by someone that you wished that you could get a coffee and just ask them a million questions and lean across the table and just take it all in? Well, that's the intention of Dear Gabby Big Talks. I made a list of all the people that I dreamt of meeting for coffee, especially during COVID when I couldn't see anybody. I kept thinking about who do I want to talk to? Who do I want to connect to right now? And I just invited them on the show for a deep spiritual conversation. And there's no small talk. It's only big talk. For my first Big Talk guest, I had a beautiful conversation with award-winning producer, New York Times bestselling author, and the renowned spiritual speaker, Devon Franklin. This past year, 2020 into 2021, as we all know, were some of really the darkest days for all of us. And in the most difficult moments of the pandemic, Devon was the shining light for me. Every week, he'd share prayers on his Instagram feed, which were so moving. And his prayers got me through those scary moments. So whenever I fell out of control or spiritually disconnected, I'd turn to straight to Devon's Instagram and I'd listen to the prayers and his words would just alchemize my fear and just open me to a different level of consciousness. And it was so healing for me throughout that difficult time. He has a super impressive resume, but what we do here on Big Talks is I don't share that resume up front. I don't want you to think about all of his accolades. I want you to hear his soul and experience him as a person rather than with any pretenses of all the cool things he's done in the world. But I will tell you, he's done a lot of cool things. I just want you to hear his authentic truth. And on this episode, we talk about really beautiful, beautiful topics ranging from how faith can be the driving force of a successful career. We talk about how COVID-19 helped both of us change our patterns and lead with greater authenticity and purpose. We talked about the ways that we can grow and thrive during difficult times, which I know so many of us need, and how to learn our greatest trait 
and maximize it for ultimate success. We also both connected through prayer. I started a prayer and he closed it, and it was just my dream to lead prayer with him, and we did. What I love most about this episode is how Devon teaches us that spirituality can be a driving force for success and joy. No matter how hard life can get, we can always return to our spiritual faith for solutions and direction. I hope this episode gives you that clear spiritual direction today. All right, we're rocking and rolling. So here's the exciting news. Here's some very exciting news. Yes. I never wanted to do a podcast. It was not on the radar for me. And then, and you're going to get this more than anybody I know, God literally told me it was time. It was, it was um, right. without any planning or just commitment or desire. It was like, boom, this is what is next. And mm. just like you, I am led by that intuitive voice. And I've always said, God is my employer. You say, God is my producer, right? I'm produced by God. <laughs> right. So so I, I just want to welcome you as one of the first people. I'm one of the f- a handful of first people that I'm interviewing in this episode wow. of Dear Gabby called Big Talks. And as I mentioned, Big Talks are only Big Talk. I'm not even going to give people's bios up front. Because mm, I love that. It's like, it's like, I don't want it to be about the credentials. I want it to be about yeah. what people can, and I'll tell your bio later and I'll tell a little bit about, I want to tell everybody right now about what you mean to me and who you have been to me, even though we are friends from afar and we've hung out a handful of times. So that's what matters most in these conversations. And mm-hmm. I just, I just want to dive in and have, have the exact conversation that you and I have always wanted to have at the dinner parties that we've been at, but we've been like, <laughs> right. our relationship began at like really wild dinner parties and events that we've had the privilege to be at. And we would be walking in and there was this mutual admiration For and sure. respect. And I remember, and I just have to say this to you with so much gratitude. I remember- mm-hmm. The Super Soul, it was like a Super Soul. All the people that had been on Super Soul came for dinner. And you looked at me and you said, thank you for your work. And here I was, this was, I mean, almost like eight years ago. I don't even know how long ago it was. And I was like new, new-ish to the scene. I didn't, I felt like a, like a little bit like, not imposter syndrome, but a little bit like, whoa, what am I doing here? Hmm. Even though I believed I was meant to be there, but I felt that feeling. And to hear you say that to me was so meaningful. So I just want to start wow. by saying thank you. Oh, my goodness. You're more than welcome. I mean, I meant it then. I'm, I mean it now. I mean, you know, I look at you and say, whoa, how do I do that? That's amazing. So, yes, yes, well, for sure. How do I do that? Let's go right back to you. You are someone who, first of all, I want to say right back to you. Thank you for what you do. You have been one of those voices that has gotten me through the COVID experience. And wow. I'm, and like I said, I'm not going to read your bio right now. I want people, people know who you are. You can listen to the bio later, people, but I want you to hear the heart and soul of this person. And when I was in dark moments during COVID, I would go to your Instagram for prayer. Wow. Man. And I'm not alone in that. Yeah. Wow. And, you wow. know, so what's that been like for you just in general? You know, it's um, it's been a journey. It's been an experience. I mean, you know, when you talk about the impact of COVID and the pandemic, uh, you know, I mean, for one, you know, just the prayers on Instagram was something that started very organically. 
you know, I just, I don't remember, I did it off the cuff. And then one of a friend of mine said, Hey, you know, that you really should keep doing that. You know, people need prayer. I was like, Oh, okay. And what I noticed is that, you know, in a world of social media, which is so me focused, you know, like, Hey, look what I'm doing. And this is the prayers have nothing to do with me. They're, they're about anyone else. And so I think for, as a result, something about that, that chemistry uh, really works. And then for me, during the pandemic, you know, what, what really has happened and is happening is a shedding, you know? Um, and what I mean by that is it's like, you know, before the pandemic, you know, it's like being active and traveling and doing all these things and being in front of people. And, you know, we're, we do similar work. And so for me personally, what happened was I noticed that, during the pandemic, when I couldn't go out, I realized I was putting too much of my value in what I was doing before the pandemic. Right. You know, I was just putting, I was, I was assigning way too much value in, you know, all the titles and the speaking and whatever you want to call me, too much. And it was almost like my message during the pandemic, what I got from God was performance time is over. It's over. Right. Like I've been performing. It's like, okay, the show's over. It's over. Now the, the real you has to come forward, you know, and, and don't feel like you are who you have presented yourself to the world. Be who you, who I really created you to be. And don't be afraid to shed some things. And so the pandemic for me has been a time of shedding and letting go and, and allowing my true self to really emerge uh, more authentically than ever before. And that's, that's been a process. It's not, not easy, but definitely been rewarding. And one of the greatest gifts I think that all of us have been given is that all those pretenses that we've built up around ourselves have been stripped away, especially for people in the public eye. Because yeah. anyone who isn't, that's a celebrity or someone that's been in the public eye, there's this, this whole, this is, I am, right? This is me. And it's <laughs> right. almost even hard not to be. I mean, I don't, I'm not judging. When that's taken away, we're all in this together. We're all in this together. There's been a real, a stripping away shedding for me as well. Yeah. I really resonate with that. I really resonate oh, yeah. with that. It's yeah, been a time yeah. of uh, what isn't working anymore and what, do I want to work on more in the greater development of who I am? Really? Totally, totally. And, and, that, and that is scary. You know, it's been a scary experience because, you know, for me, it's like, okay, everything you think you are, we're going to test it. We're going to, we're going to, you know, God's like, okay, you know, now and then you're going to get to get in the mirror and really see, you know, what is and what isn't. And then, uh, you know, for me, having the, just the, the, how do you describe it? Like for me, it's been the process of the courage to, to lean in mm-hmm. and acknowledge, Hey, there were certain things that really weren't working for me in terms of how I was living and all of it. So, so it reminds me of like the, the, the cat, the, the caterpillar, you know, it's like, you know, this pandemic has been a really massive cocoon and it's been difficult and it's, and it's lonely and it's been isolating yet it's been transformative. Because yeah. the, 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 the pandemic for me has been that process of the cocoon, which is allowing the meta, metamorphosis and the transformation into the divine design. Uh, and I don't know that I personally would have probably ever gotten or going or becoming who I really wanted to be without this period of time. Because I really had to stop and think and process and reflect and face and stop running. I'm going to echo that because this has actually been the greatest time of growth for me personally. 
Yeah. And I actually remember it was like when, when March 2020 hit, I was like, oh yeah, I've been training for this. Because <laughs> <it, laughs> right. personally, building up my own personal growth and strength and faith, but also as a professional, I had to be making sure my work came first, my inner work came first, yeah. my own growth and development. And really, it was almost like go time. All that shit that we were holding on to, it's not going to, it, it cannot coexist with what we have to do to show up for this time. That was, it was no. like this loud, loud voice. So true. So true. And, and I also, I feel like, you know, it's very easy when we're doing, you know, be prior to the pandemic, doing the work for it to not be about the people, you know, it's, it's about, it's about everything else that comes with it. And so for me, you know, this pandemic was, you know, similar to what you're saying is like, all right, you know, really had to get back to like, okay, what is this all about? What, who am I? What is the gift? What am I here to do? And the idea is like, when someone's in trouble, right. You gotta show up. Then you, you got to show up, you got to show up. And, and when, you know, humanity is facing such a crisis, you know, for those of us, to, of us that have been gifted to do, you know, this type of work, what is our response? Mm -hmm. And we won't be able to usher an authentic uh, response if we are not actually living authentically. No way in hell. There's, there's absolutely no way in hell <laughs> that you can be a guide in any form that's going to really make an impact and be able to also be sustain the work that you're here to do unless you are fully grounded in your own faith yes. in your own practice and, and exactly what you preach now does that mean that we're like thriving in every moment no way but not at all but it means that we're working on that and it's funny because mm -hmm. I wanted to actually bring this up with you because you've been working, <laughs> you've been working on your own faith and development since you were 15. And I, I actually wanted to tell you, this is something we have in common. When I was 15, I was uh, leading, I wasn't preaching necessarily, but in my own way I was because I was leading these Jewish youth groups all throughout Westchester County. And I was leading these, like hundreds of Jewish kids in these, in these temples on the weekends. And like, I was the president of the youth group, but I was like giving spiritual talks and, what? you know, I, yeah, totally. And like, I never thought about it at the time as being my calling, but it was when I was the mm. most lit up and when I felt the wow. most me. So you as a 15 year old becoming a preacher, I just kind of want to hear, you know, what that, <laughs> that, what was that spark? What was it that was yeah. so obviously up for you? Right, right. That is so cool. I didn't know that about you. That is so, so cool. Amazing. Um, you know, what's also interesting when you said that, you know, like, I mean, I've been a Christian all my life, but I, you know, I was raised observing the Sabbath. Mm -hmm. So even now I observe the Sabbath. So, you know, when sun goes down here, I don't work. I, you know, my staff knows they can't preach me, all that good stuff. So at 15 years old, I had no desire to preach at all. It wasn't something I was even focused on. Uh, it just so happened that, you know, our church was, uh, you know, growing and my uncle started the church. And so it was a very, very much a family church in, uh, in East Oakland, California. And so what happened was my brother had done the first youth day. So my aunt was the youth director. And so my, my older brother, I have three, I have two brothers. I'm the middle child of three boys. And so my older brother did the first youth day. And then because I was next in line, they were like, okay, Devon, now it's your, your, your time to do youth day. So I was like, okay. And what that meant was the youth took over the service, the church service. So the youth did everything from the announcements to the music to the sermon. And so I was the one that was, you know, drafted to preach the sermon that, that youth day. And so I said, okay, you know, I've been in church. I wasn't afraid of it, but I just wasn't thinking anything about it. So I prepared the message. 
I did it. And then people's response to it was well beyond anything I had, had even thought about. People were like, oh my goodness, right. that was amazing. And you need to, you know, do something with this gift and you need to preach. And so I was like, uh, okay. And so I started doing it more. And then they were like, okay, you need to go into ministry. You got to, and I said, well, wait a minute. No, no, I'm going to Hollywood. Right. You know, I said, my <laughs> dream is Hollywood. Like I want to make it an entertainment. A different kind of ministry. <laughs> <laughs> yes. A very different kind of ministry. Right. Where you still um, made that kind of imprint, but carry on. Yes. <laughs> totally, totally, totally. So, so I was like, listen, I, I'm not trying to, you know, become a preacher or anything like that. I'm, I'm trying to go, you know, become a producer. So long story short, I got into USC, majored in business, minored in film, and I got an internship working for the company that managed Will Smith and Jada and Puffy and uh, Jennifer Lopez. And so I, as I was going to school, I started interning. Mm -hmm. And all through my four years, you know, I interned. And when I graduated, that year that I graduated, I became an assistant to Will Smith's uh, producing partner. And that same year, my uncle from the church in Oakland said, hey, Devon, you know, I would love if you can come up once a month to preach for me because I'm getting older. I need some help. And I was like, man, I don't want to do this. I'm I just graduated. I'm officially starting my career in entertainment preaching once a month. But I was like, fine. You know what? He had been such an influence in my life. I decided to do it. So I start going up once a month while I'm still here in L.A. doing right my assistant job. How old are you at that point? 22 years old. Okay, yeah, we have a really similar life. Wow. I mean, just in terms of our spiritual, uh, go on. Wow, that's deep. That is Keep deep. Um, and, so, and so what happened was as I started preaching, you know, people just started coming to me saying, hey, you know, like, what did you do over the weekend? Da, da, da. And I was like, oh, you know, I went to church. And they're like, oh, how was it? And I was like, oh, you know, I had to preach. And they were like, what, you preach? I was like, uh, well, yeah. You know, they're like, what do you mean you preach? I'm like, I preach. I don't know, you know. And so, Gabby, what started happening is that people started coming to me for prayer. People started coming for Bible study. So literally at Will Smith's company during lunch hour, I'd be leading Bible study. People would have, you know, issues they needed counsel for. So what I began to realize in, in those early years, don't separate who you are. It's not like, oh, I'm doing ministry over here and Hollywood over here. No, just yeah. be who you are. Totally. And, and so that was really the genesis of, you know, I continued to progress in entertainment and became an executive at Sony and, you know, made all kinds of movies like Pursuit of Happiness and Heaven is for Real and, and all the way through preached and spoke and ministered. And that was the combination that from that day to this has powered my success in entertainment. 100%. Because people are like, wait a minute, you're completely out of the box as a Christian and you're completely, you know, in the box as, as you know, this Hollywood insider, so to speak. You've been in it since you were 18 years old and you haven't compromised. You know, like literally there will be times when I was an executive, we, I was working on the remake of The Karate Kid. We were shooting in Beijing and, you know, sun started to go down. You know, we was on Sabbath and, and uh, you know, and Friday night, sun was almost down and we're in this Hutong, which is an old Chinese neighborhood. And Jackie Chan is there and Jaden and Will and we haven't got the shot. And I'm like, yo, you know what? I'll see y'all when sun goes down tomorrow. I left the set, Good. left the set, yep. shut it down. And then the next day, one of the producers, I went out to get something to eat. And one of the producers is like, Devon, are you okay? Can you be out on the Sabbath? I'm like, no, no, I'm okay. I'm okay. They're like, listen, because if you lose faith, we all going to lose faith. <laughs> <laughs> your faith is a driving so, force here. Right. Yes. There you go. There you go. So long answer to your question. But that was really the genesis of me embracing my gift to preach. 
and infusing it into everything that I do. And some people know me, you know, as Devon, as an author, as a minister or whatever. And I just like, you know what, I know who I am. And, yeah. and I just, I just try to live in, in my energy as Devon and not try to associate too strongly with any title that prevents me from really being who I am and offering whatever gift that needs to be offered in the moment. Yeah. And it sounds like a lot of that's been stripped away now anyway, given this, that's right. this past year and everything, which is what I feel through the prayer on your Instagram. It's egoless. I'm going to cry because it's you right. in the street really tuning into the humanity of what is up in the moment of crisis that's occurring around us. I'm a preacher. I get it. In my own world, I'm a preacher. Yeah. And when I preach, I don't think, yeah. I allow. Yeah. And that feeling of witnessing and being in the presence of, even if it's through the internet, somebody in the full expression of the allowing, it doesn't even really matter what you're saying. It's the transmission of the energy that's so moving to me. So wow. I'll, I'll go to your feed. I'll close my eyes early in the morning. This is often, often. I want you yeah. to really hear me. <laughs> Particularly yeah. early in COVID, I would go wake up early and I would play your prayer and I would close my eyes and I would just feel the transmission because it wasn't, wow. it's not about the words and the words are just coming through you. It's not like you're thinking sure. and you have an intention and the only intention is to, to bring light, to bring love and to serve. And, and so whatever's coming through comes through. And so I, I recognize the journey of being a preacher in a non-traditional way because that is absolutely yeah. my experience. You know, you said you were 22 when you started preaching. I think I was probably, I was really 20, 22 as well. I was 25 when I started getting on a stage and giving spiritual talks. But, oh, is that right? Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But even before that, from 20 to 25, I was speaking for free wherever somebody would give me a microphone. <laughs> I was at the time talking about what I was into in that moment, which was entrepreneurship mm -hmm. and, and, and being a young entrepreneur. But then as soon as I hit 25 and got sober, I just hit that stage and just was like, give me a, some stilettos and a microphone and whatever is going to come through has got to come through. And that has been the driving force of my life as well. And, you know, I want to hear from you about what it means to be a channel. Mm. And I don't know if you've ever really said that about yourself or even identified. No, I, I have not. Well, I, you so are. I, but I understand. <laughs> you are. Right? I think to be a preacher is to be a channel, to be a conduit through which mm -hmm. you allow God to speak through you. Mm. So like, what is that? Maybe now for the first time ever being called a channel, what does that mean to you? What does that mean to you? How does it show up for you? Yeah, that's, I mean, that's a great, great question. And it's certainly um, uh, a great thought, you know, and, and to kind of think this, thinking that in those terms for the first time, you know, what it means, you know, so, so one of the things that I always say before I, I get up to speak or before I do an interview, mm -hmm. you know, I, I ask the Holy Spirit to speak through me. Me too. I say thank you guides <laughs> of the highest truth and compassion for speaking through me. Without, oh, wow. Every single talk, every interview, every conversation, and even wow, yeah, oh, that's yeah. amazing, right? Because because I'm like, okay, I don't want me to come through. I want God to come through. I want to make sure that I am tapping in to what He intends in this moment and what the Spirit needs in the moment. So, you know, being a channel, as you as you call it, you know, for me, it just it just means surrender. 
you know, and then also, but like listening. So it's, it's like this weird combination and you get this. It's like where you're speaking and listening at the same time. hundred percent. Yes. Yeah. It's like, this is the best conversation. I'm so excited about this. Okay. <laughs> this is exactly what I want my big talks to be. Okay. So it's literally like, so for me, it's exactly like, it's like listening and talking at the same time. Sometimes it happens when I'm writing. So listening, mm-hmm. I'm sure it happens when you write your books. It's almost like there's a dictation coming through. And so there's yes. this thing that happens where I almost feel like my brain is almost switching over into a different mm-hmm. frequency, which I guess in some ways it is. And I'm stepping back, surrendering, to use your word, getting out of yes. the way and then allowing. And the more you do that, the easier it is. Yes. And you have to practice it, right? Like, you know, I mean, initially when I would get up to speak or do an interview, you know, I'm really focused on, okay, these are my points. This is what I'm trying to get across. And don't get me wrong. I still do a tremendous amount of prep. However, I always leave room so that I can become and I can do whatever the moment requires, you know? And when you think about, you know, a channel, right? It's like, okay, you know, we are hearing the transmission and the transmission is coming through. Yeah. You tune on, you know, let's say whatever your favorite channel is. Everyone's been watching, you know, during the pandemic, everyone's been watching CNN. You know, that actual channel is nothing if the feed doesn't get transmitted. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We can tune on CNN every day, but if, but if that channel is not getting that transmission, it'll just be blank. Yeah. I really like what you're saying too, because you're saying something very similar to me, which is when you want to give forth a message, there's there's this opportunity in the moment, like on your Instagram, where you can just riff and you just, just preach and you just let loose. And then similar to you, when I give a talk, I have a very clear outline. I know where I want to yes. take people, but that outline offers me freedom. And yes. at the top of every outline of all of the talks I've given, it says untethered force of light. Because ah, that is that. my my medicine. It's like if, if I get on yeah. that stage and I am not an untethered force of light, that means Gabby showed up, not Gabby mm. allowing, not surrendered Gabby. So it's a combination of, and that's an interesting way to live life, right? Where we can we can have this vision of where we're going. We can have our daily tasks. We can have our routines, but that we allow ourselves to riff in between. We allow ourselves to sort of just be uh, extemporaneous and be almost like just improvisation of life. Yeah. 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 It's so good. It's like, you know, uh, I'm a big basketball fan and uh, one of my favorite players. And I also happen to be doing business. We do, we have a couple projects we're doing together, Steph Curry. And whenever I watch him, you know, I'm just mesmerized by those moments, which are like seemingly look like improvisation. And so uh, we did a movie together called Breakthrough. And so as part of that film, you know, I sat down and interviewed him. And one of the things that he said, because I was saying, you know, I said, Steph, man, you know, when you get on the court, you know, you have these amazing moments that just look completely impossible. And what he mentioned is that what people don't see is what happens when he's training, you know, and he talked and he talked about this moment when he was uh, during the summer training so hard, running on the treadmill that he started to throw up. Yeah. You know, and so it's like, okay, God, it. the only way you can have freedom out there to improvise and to be in the flow is through preparation. Totally. And some people just love the flow. They just want to just be in the flow. Right, 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 right. And oh, I just love, 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 love. This is so good. It's like, wait a minute. You also have to have discipline in order to really be the channel, be the voice, be the conduit that we all have the capacity to be. It requires a tremendous amount of discipline. Because also when you think about, you know, electricity, there's a reason why we just don't plug straight into the socket. We went over there and no, we can't do that. 
right? Like that, that because there's too much power coming through, you know, enough power that, that can disrupt our, our life. And, and so if we don't actually practice and have the discipline to handle the power, mm-hmm. you know, you, you can get up there and just, you know, just start flowing and you don't bless anybody mm-hmm. because you're not really plugged in because you didn't really do the work. That's and right. the planning and the discipline and the stuff that nobody ever sees on stage. So I completely, uh, you know, relate to what you're saying. And I think it's critical in order to really be the right channel, to really do that work, to discipline and to study and to get clear on what the message is so that it can come forth in the freedom and the fun and the levity in which it was designed. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's kind of cool to look at the Steph story as a metaphor for spiritual conditioning. Mm-hmm. Because ah, yeah. it's kind of like when when COVID hit and I said, oh, it's go time. I've been training for this. I had been in my own personal growth and spiritual conditioning for 20 years, mm-hmm. as have you for as your life. And, <laughs> and right. here you are. And, and it's, okay, I'm going to have all my stuff come up, but I'm going to be resilient because I've been mm-hmm. preparing for this. And so this is for everyone listening and watching. It's like we think about, oh, I don't want to take that time to sit in, in, in contemplation or meditation or that we feel guilty or we don't understand why someone would have a spiritual practice or a faith. And there's lots of different resistance to that because yeah. it's, we have a belief system that if I'm not doing, I'm not achieving. If I'm not mm-hmm. pushing, I'm not good enough, whatever it is. So slowing down is terrifying for people. But the key to resilience, particularly in tumultuous times like what we're living in, is that being on the spiritual basketball court, really committing and tuning in regularly, whether that's listening Absolutely. to a podcast like this or reading a book like one of yours, or even just following your prayers on Instagram. Mm-hmm. You know, I just, everyone's going to start going and praying with you every day on Instagram. <laughs> I I'll love it. So down to Let's it. pray. It's just so gorgeous. And we're definitely going to pray on this podcast. So just do not, we are absolutely, I don't think you're leaving okay. here without praying you, you got with me. It. And we'll pray together. But, yes. you know, I, I think that, that, that there's a lot of voices also that come through. And this is something that I want to talk to you about. I know that you hear God, you're speaking of hearing God, but do you ever feel as though your father's coming through? Not in a hearing voices like, oh, my dad is talking to me kind of way. Like I've okay. never had that experience. Okay. There were times, you know, after he passed away, like I re- would remember seeing him in dreams, you know, where I like would have like almost like a memory, you know, but nothing like a spiritual visit or anything like that. Okay. Where I feel him the most is, you know, as my mother and my family have told me about him, you know, and kind of who he was and his mannerisms and whatnot. You know, and they talk about like of all my brothers, they feel like I'm most closely uh, related to him. So I feel, you know, that connection. You know, right. I definitely feel that connection. Um, and then, you know, looking at pictures and 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 just remembering. I mean, he passed away when I was nine years old, so I definitely have memories of him. And and the thing that was that that's so powerful about those memories is a lot of those memories were not pleasant. You know, he was an alcoholic. And so a lot of my memories with him were when, you know, he was drunk and whenever he was drunk and he would happen to be home, you just never knew what you were going to get. You know, sometimes he'd be a little more belligerent. Sometimes he wouldn't, you just wouldn't know. So it was a very disruptive and quasi-traumatic upbringing because the stability was not there. Yet with that being said, you know, as I've, you know, come into my own, the thing that, that resonates with me is like, you know, 
when you have an illness like alcoholism, and it was not the reason that he died. I mean, alcoholism doesn't doesn't it doesn't cause a heart attack at 36. There were other factors at play. But, you know, we can extrapolate that if he had taken care of his health, you know, he certainly would have prolonged his life. Be that as it may, as I've come into my own, you know, I feel in a good way the responsibility to make good on the potential cut short in him. Beautiful. You know, I, so I feel that. I feel that in a good way. I don't feel that, you know, sometimes there's that expectation and you feel like it's a weight and, and you, it really stresses you out. I don't feel that. I actually feel really good about it. I feel like, yes, you know, these things that I'm doing, you know, I'm here, you know, in my office and on the door, it's, you know, it says on the wall, Franklin Entertainment, you know, and I'm like, wow, right. You know, so so my dad, my his legacy, the legacy of our family, which my uncle struggled with alcoholism, you know, my other uncle, my grandparents on my father's side, all were addicts to some degree. And so the work that me and my brothers are doing is we're changing the narrative. We're changing the course of the Franklin name for generations to come. So I've never had any sort of changing the epigenetics for your children. And literally, you're changing your gene pool. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. So I've never had any sort of, you know, visitation or anything like that. But I do feel, you know, the the connection. Um, I feel the responsibility and I feel, you know, the weight in a good way mm-hmm. of, of finishing the work that he wasn't able to finish. Yeah. You know, it's making me think right now, you know, Dr. Dyer was a good friend of mine yes. and, a, and a mentor to me. Oh, and man. he wow. had such a beautiful life shift in perspective around his father, who was a, a addict and also abuser and, 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 and beat his mother. Mm-hmm. It was awful stories. And, and Wayne had this, this very beautiful story in one of his books about how he came to forgiving his father because he recognized and identified that he wanted to, that when he was in spirit, he wanted to come into the body to learn a great lesson and teach that great lesson, which was self-reliance and forgiveness. Mm-hmm. And so how would he learn and live that lesson? Having an alcohol, having a father that was, you know, beating up his mother and and not showing up and leaving the house. That was the path for him to learn and embody self-reliance and forgiveness so Mm. that he could teach it. Wow. That's deep. It's like looking at at these parental figures or whoever it may be who may have seemingly harmed us as taking one for the team in this lifetime, right? Mm, it's almost like mm. they were these this catalyst for personal growth and transformation that we may have otherwise not been able to experience. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's listen, uh, it, there's a lot of truth to that. Uh, and to have had, you know, for you to have had Dr. You know, Dyer as, as a mentor, oh my goodness, that's just, that just, that no, just speaks of how blessed you are. Let me tell you, he, <laughs> that man writes through me. I've, when I was writing my book, The Universe Has Your Back, I write about it in the book. Um, it was a chapter I was writing about Wayne and my own relationship with him. And at the end of writing the chapter, I felt him standing over my desk. Like mm. I felt this like almost like eight foot tall, even though that's not as tall as he was, but it felt hmm. that eight foot tall presence just standing over me. And, mm. uh, I have a similar way of channeling to you, but then I also can feel the presence of spirit in the hmm. room. Like um, my hands will oh. almost be like antennas, like feeling the energy of the room. And if someone's around and 
in this show, Dear Gabby, there's these big talks like what we're doing here, but there's also these these uh, weekly episodes of where I will uh, workshop people with video and audio in real time. And whenever there's a deceased loved one, it's like hands up, feel the presence. You know, I, I, I'm fine tuning that connection. But mm. um, when I was thinking about what I wanted to talk to you about, I really did want to talk to you about your dad because I just, sometimes maybe it's, maybe it's, Maybe it is him unconsciously coming through saying, hey, let's let's talk about it, right? I don't know. Mm. I don't know. Yeah, you know what? <laughs> I mean, I've, I've, I've never even thought about any of that, um, you know, at all. I mean, here's what I know. I just, I know that all things, uh, you know, have happened and worked together. And I know that God uh, allowed it. And as difficult as it has been, um, uh, to the point you made about what Dr. Dyer was saying, I mean, you know, I, I'm... I, I feel a sense of huge responsibility, you know, to that if, if, you know, for him to have met that end to like do the work and, and be responsible, you know, I don't drink, you know, not that I, I, I begrudge those that do and not that I am afraid of it, but it's just, I, I'm like, you know, I, I just don't want that in my life. I don't need it. And um, to be able to make those choices and to feel good about them uh, and to hopefully, you know, make, my father proud, you know, some of my aunts would say, you know, if he was here, they would be like, oh, he'd be like, oh my goodness, you know, yeah. he'd be right there in the front seat, front mm-hmm. row, just cheering you on, being so proud of what you've become. Because, you know, especially when you look at, you know, the black community, you know, when you look at the statistics around the black community being raised in a single parent home, uh, the statistics are not good. So the idea that me and my brothers can defy our statistical outcomes is to me something that is uh, very resonates strongly and deeply. And I feel that every single day. Yeah. I just, um, sometimes I get like these visual images. I saw like hands clapping. And, and to me, that means like, he's just like, yeah. I mean, the idea that he in human form would be here in the front row. I think what he's saying is I am in the front row. I am mm. in the front row. <laughs> and the awareness that you have of the fact that you're living this life in the pursuit of doing it differently, but also to carry his legacy in a new way mm. and a sober way is yeah. gorgeous. And I also wow. want to just acknowledge something and just thank you because you said uh, that it was a disease. I've been sober for 16 years, almost still 15 and wow. a half years. And wow. an addict to hear someone acknowledge the disease of addiction. Yeah. And really, in my opinion, I think it's the root cause of it is trauma. Sure, absolutely. Why, why do we use? Because we don't want to feel. And so mm-hmm. to just to just hear someone who doesn't identify as an addict also recognize that it, that that it is a disease is. I just want to thank you for that, and for all on behalf of all of the addicts that are out there, thank you for that. Oh, of course, no, absolutely, and 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 thank you for your transparency. Oh man, I mean, my sobriety was the biggest gift of my life. It got me right. got me back on track. <laughs> Got me on track. Got me on track. But it also, you know, it's like we can look back and we can say, okay, none of this is none of this was a mistake. Yeah, as it was meant to be. Yeah, it was all. It's all used. It's It's all all used. used. Yeah, and and I love. uh, Let's just take a few minutes. I want to talk about the book, and I've had the privilege of having an early reader copy of this book, and it's it's a huge topic that a lot of people. uh, It's actually one of the biggest blocks to our our own receptivity of spirit. And so I want to hear, yes. tell me what you, tell me what, why you wrote this book, what's up around this book. Yeah. Yeah. No, thank you. You know, listen, you are one of the first people in the world to read it. So thank you so much. <laughs> this book is called Live Free, 
you know, how to exceed your, your highest expectations. And so for me, this is the thing that nobody was talking about, right? Like I kept bumping my head up against the wall. I kept having great experiences, but never really being uh, completely satisfied. You know, I kept, you know, having, you know, different friendships and different challenges, even in my marriage. I say, well, what's going on? Why is this happening? And the more that I drilled down, I began to realize, oh, got it. I'm not reacting to reality. I'm reacting to my expectation of reality. Boom. Yep. And if things happen better than my expectation, I'm excited. If things happen less than my expectation, I'm devastated. And then I was holding people to my expectation instead of just evaluating and appreciating who they are. So once I began to realize this, I said, oh, got it. Expectations are the secret software running our life. We actually aren't reacting to life. We're acting to our expectation of it. And then it's compounded because we feel the obligation to meet everyone's expectation of who we're supposed to be. Totally. Our friends, our family, our spouses, whoever we work with, if you have followers, who your followers expect you to be. And at some point, I realized we can't go on. We're not actually living. And so this idea of live free is to not allow yourself to be under the emotional, uh, physical, or mental control of anyone or anything. You choose the expectations that you live by and you set those expectations. And any expectation that doesn't service you, you don't meet it and you release it. And so this whole book is about the power of how to set expectations. And, and let me tell you, you know, it's, it's a disruptive book yeah. because it really causes the reader to think deeply about what are my expectations? Are they realistic or unrealistic? Are they spoken or unspoken? How many times do we expect something of somebody? We never ask them, can we expect it? Yes. And then we get <laughs> mad when they don't mean it. We're the crazy ones. We are the crazy world. ones. Yes. Uh, yes. <laughs> so that's why I wrote this book is to, is to help liberate the, the reader to live free, set their own expectations. And when we set our expectations, we actually set our life. And the only way to truly live free is to release the expectations because ultimately, or transform our expectations, right? You're not, yes. you know, that's, that's a really important distinction because ultimately we have, we have so many blocks to that presence of what could be when we expect it to be something different. Oh, oh my God. It, it, that, 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 what you just said is exactly the problem. And we've been taught our whole life Oh, expect, expect, expect. There's nothing wrong with that. But one of the tenets I talk about in the book, how do you know if your expectation is realistic or unrealistic? Is it within your control? Right. If it's not in your control, you have an unrealistic expectation. Mm -hmm. And how many of our expectations, and I've been guilty of it too, are unrealistic? Right. Right. I can't control how many people buy my book, listen to, go to Instagram and watch. I can't control it. But where do we drive ourselves crazy? Trying to control the uncontrollable. Yep. What I can control is what content I put out there, how well I write the book, how much energy and research that I put into to what we do. So too often we're focused on, oh, I want to control the result. No, the process is the result. Yes, yes. If you want the result, control the process. And interestingly, when we control the result, we're actually blocking the God that can move through the process. There you go. Because we can't hear go. it. We can't, we could, we could have an opportunity right in front of us, but we're so in this one lane mm -hmm. that we miss that opportunity lane that's been banging down the door. It's, it's just, just surrendering to what can be 
is the greatest gift because it really allows us to one, take a deep breath and chill. <laughs> and right. to really let things be far better than we could have ever expected. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And that's when we can live, when we are living free and we're in the moment. Even going back to, you know, we were talking about, you know, about, you know, channeling and just being, allowing God, you know, to come through. It's like when we live free, we allow ourselves to take in the power of the moment instead of saying, in this moment, I expected this. Well, who told you to expect that? Right, right. What would happen if you just took the expectation off and just enjoyed the moment? You know, it's like, oh my goodness, at 30 years old, I was supposed to be here. I'm supposed to be married. I'm supposed to have kids. Well, who right. said that? Yeah. Where is that written? Why not just enjoy the life you have and believe and trust that the right things will happen when they're supposed to? And uh, a lot of people listening might just be like, well, that sounds easy for you to say, right? But the good news, everybody, is... I've been a first reader of this book. You've given them the path to that release because it's one thing to get up on a stage and say, oh, you got to be present. We got to be in the moment. And everyone's always like, wah, wah, you know, shut up. Whenever I say like, it's time to let go and surrender, people are like, <laughs> screw you. Gabby. I'm not letting go of right. nothing. <laughs> but, um, but, but you've written the book and, and everybody can go out and buy that book right now. I, I, I really want you to know that there is a full-blown energetic transmission into that book. And it is, it is love in that book and it is commitment and it's experience in that book. So wow. live Thank free you. people. Live free. <laughs> live free, people. That's the new hashtag. Live hashtag free. live free, people. <laughs> so as we kind of pull this all together, I kind of want to, I don't kind of want to, I really want to pray with you. And okay. sometimes when I have friends that, that, that I, that are preachers, I will sort of maybe open the prayer and then okay. you can lead prayer and then I can maybe fill in if we feel like it's something coming through me. And I just want to hold improvisational prayer with you for sure. all the people who are suffering at this time. Mm, you got it. Absolutely. In any form. Okay. So I'll kick us off because okay. why okay. not? And then I want you to just, I'll, I'll just, I'll just hand it off to you. So. Okay, great. I'll, I'll take your lead. Okay, so I welcome all of the guidance of the highest truth and compassion to enter into this conversation now to give us the wisdom and the guidance and the words to offer love, healing, and grace to all those who need it most. We compassionately recognize your suffering. We hold you in the truth of what's real and what's happening in this moment. And we are here to offer you an opportunity to shift your perception an opportunity to open up to the miraculous, an opportunity to feel the presence of love and a God of your own understanding to move through you at this time. Mm, and dear Heavenly Father, we just pray right now for anyone listening that is, is struggling, suffering, enduring trauma, pain, tragedy, devastation, and destruction. We pray that as they have listened to this podcast, they literally have felt the weight lift off of their shoulders. I pray that anyone listening to this podcast right now and hearing this prayer right now would know that they are not forgotten about, that they would know that you care deeply about them and their well-being. I pray right now, if you're listening to this prayer, that you would know how important you are, that you would know how vital you are to the success and trajectory of this world. I pray that if you're listening to this prayer right now, you would not allow what you see with your natural eyes to disrupt what is trying to be revealed to you through the spirit. You are important. You are love. You are loved. 
great things are happening for you. Great blessings are on the way to you. Yes, you may be going through a difficult, dark time, yet I need you to know there is a light at the end of this tunnel and you will see yourself through. I pray that if you're listening to this prayer right now, that you would know that love is surrounding you right now. I pray that as you listen to this prayer, that you would not fall prey to this idea that you have to be strong. No, you don't. It is okay to feel how you feel. Do not try to tough your way through this. No, go through this surrendered, open-hearted, and open-armed. And I promise you, the God that you serve, the God that we serve can keep you and carry you through this moment. I pray that you would cry if you need to cry that you would shout if you need to shout, that you would let out all the anger and anxiety you've been holding in for too long. And you would know as you let it out, that in letting it out, your healing will take place. I pray that you'd have the courage to feel how you feel and to know that you are coming through this. Your suffering is not in vain and your suffering is a season. And with all seasons, they pass and a new one is on the way. I speak healing over your life. I speak peace over your life. I speak power over your life. And I pray that you would receive this prayer in the depth of your soul. And you would know all will be well. This is my prayer respecting all religions. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen. All will be well. May this be a moment for all of us to open up to a creative possibility and to feel the grace of this conversation to move through them. Amen. Amen. (laughs) Wow. I I just, I, I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for being the man that you are, for being a champion for women. Man, I, Mm. I hear you out there talking about relationships and what yeah. men, how men can clean, clean up their side of the street for being a champion for people who are suffering right now, yeah. for holding space for people in the way that you do. I hope that you know in this moment that your father is applauding you and in mm. the front row. In the fr- I want you to hold the vision of that man in the front row everywhere you <laughs> go. He's in the front row everywhere you go. And uh, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just so grateful that you're in this world doing the work that you're doing. And so just like you said to me, when you first met me, I said, thank you for the work that you do. I want to say to you right now, thank you for the work that you do. Wow. Wow. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. I receive it and I'm beyond grateful. Thank you, my sister. If you made it to the end of this episode, that means you're truly committed to miracles. I'm really proud of you. If you want to get more Gabby, tune in every Monday for a new episode. Make sure to subscribe so you don't miss any of the guidance or special bonus episodes. Your experience of this show means a lot to me. So I really want to welcome you to leave an honest review. And you can follow me on social media at Gabby Bernstein. And if you want to get in on the action, sign up for a chance to be Dear Gabby live at DearGabby.com. See you next week. Gabby.